Well, this morning, um, I want to start with, a, with an image that I found online, so it's going to come up on the screen. So uh, I found this on Etsy. Uh, this is a homemade uh, Christmas ornament that you put on your tree. And what it is, it's a glass globe that captures 2020. Inside is a tiny dumpster on fire, sinking in water along with the remains of some dead trees. And uh, on Etsy, uh, there's, uh, there's a little advertisement that describes what we're looking at. It says this, Christmas ornaments are a great way to commemorate events from the past year. That's why for the 2020 holiday season, the most appropriate addition to your tree is a decorative dumpster fire. No matter what 2020 looked like for you, your year likely didn't turn out as planned. And there's no better symbol to represent the COVID-19 pandemic, the messy U.S. election, and the wildfires in California and Australia than with a flaming container of garbage. I thought that was pretty funny. And and on this, uh, the the artist who uh, did this, um, if you want to put it back up again, who did the globe, he described uh, how he made it. He said, the globe is rendered in polymer clay, wood, and resin. Each of these delightful reminders of 2020 is individually handcrafted by me in my house, where I am pretty much stuck maybe forever. (laughs) You love that. A dumpster fire as a picture of 2020. And 2020 is... I mean, it's been a year of bad news, hasn't it been? I mean, it's almost like whenever you open up your news browser, it's something else. And if you're like me, you're you're asking the question, what is the next dumpster fire? What is the next thing going to be? What is the next piece of bad news? Are we going to be quarantined again? Is the virus spreading? How many people have died today? In fact, there's a a word that was coined in 2020 by dictionary.com, and the word is doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. You know know what this is. This is the the barrage of bad news that comes to us through the news cycle, and it's kind of the the idea that all of us are addicted to this. And, you know, you look at one headline, and it leads to another one, and then it leads to another one, and before you know it, it's snowballing, and it's kind of going on and on, and yet we all are scrolling over and over again, binge-watching the negative news. In fact, one article said that every marriage has one person who doom scrolls and reads headlines out loud pre-coffee and another person who is begging them to stop. Stop! No more! Stop the bad news! Now, the doom and gloom isn't all the media's fault, though. Uh, Mesbin Bekalu, who's a research scientist at the Center for Health and Happiness at Harvard's uh, T.H. Chan School of Public Health, said this. He said uh, that the doom and gloom... Is not only is because of the news, he says that we all, all of us as humans have a natural tendency to pay more attention to negative news. So he says our minds are bent towards the negative. Maybe this explains some of the scrolling. And so bad news over and over again. And so this morning what I want to do is, is, is something really simple. I just want to take a moment to hear once again the good news of Christmas. We've been in a series in, uh, the, in a, a Christmas series called All is Calm. And the idea is that uh, the one command that occurs over and over again in the Christmas story is the command, do not be afraid. And we've been asking the question, what would it look like for us to hear that command again? And in our passage this morning, uh, some angels show up to a group of shepherds. And the angel says, do not be afraid. And the reason why he says not to fear 
is because of good news. And so this morning, I want to ask two questions of the passage here as we look at angels, shepherds. I want to ask, what is the good news that they heard that night? And number two, how do they respond to it? What is the good news? How should we respond? Two things today. And so first, uh, let's jump into the story. We're going to just walk through and ask the question, what is the good news that the, that the shepherds heard that night? Beginning in verse 8, uh, the passage says this, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so in the same region, what region? The region of Bethlehem, of Nazareth, of Galilee. Uh, this was a small, insignificant corner of the Roman Empire. Nothing good ever happens out there. This is the region. And out in this region... There are shepherds who are out keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, when we think about shepherds, normally we think about the Christmas pageants, you know, uh, the kids and bathrobes and these romantic uh, characters, the shepherds, you know, they're kind and gentle. The sheep are fluffy little animals, and we kind of romanticize the shepherds. But in reality, the shepherds were kind of sad, sad characters. Number one, they were poor. And so one commentator said, shepherds in an agrarian society may have had small land holdings, but these would be inadequate to meet the demands of their own families. In other words, they weren't just living hand to mouth. They were not making enough money to provide for their needs. They were languishing in financial poverty. Not only that, they were at the bottom rung of the uh, social status ladder. They were uneducated. Uh, they, had, they were peasants. They had almost no power in that ancient society. Uh, they, in some cases, they were held in suspicion. And so in the uh, Jewish Mishnah, which was a commentary on the Mosaic Law, there, uh, which laws about Jewish society and culture, there was one law that said you should never buy milk or wool from a shepherd because they were almost certainly stolen. And so uh, in that culture, shepherds were kind of despised, kind of looked down upon. And they were insignificant. They were nobodies. They didn't have names or faces. Nobody cared about them. And so here they are out in the fields minding their own business. And these were people that really were used to bad news. Uh, We didn't make enough today. Uh, were, were kind of languishing in poverty. I mean, they knew what it was like to hear bad news. And, and into their situation, it says in verse 9 that an angel shows up, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone round about them. And it says they were filled with fear. And so here, a bad situation for them gets worse. Because an angel shows up, and it says the glory of the Lord shone around, shone round about them, and it said they were... Uh, Sore afraid is what the the King James, uh, the way it puts it. But uh, literally, it's they feared a great fear. In the Bible, uh, when anybody sees an angel, they're terrified. Uh, It's because angels were not, as we said, uh, chubby little uh, babies with wings. They were terrifying warriors of light. Whenever they showed up, people were terrified. They were awestruck. And so, of course, the first line in, in angel training school was, do not be afraid. Because they were always saying, don't be scared, don't, it's, it's all right. The glory of God shows up and they're thinking, oh no, what's going to happen to us? When the glory of God shows up to the wrong thing, to the wrong people, bad things happen. But the angel says, it's okay, don't be afraid, why? Well, he goes on and he says, because I bring you what? I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so here, the angel shows up, they're terrified, but he says, don't worry, I bring you good news. It's good news. It's the heart of the Christmas message, and it's the heart of the Christian message. What is it? Well, let's look at it for a few minutes. First of all, uh, the word good news here is the Greek word euangelion. Can we all say euangelion? Normally, in the Bible, it's translated gospel. We hear gospel, we think of it as like a religious word, you know, it's a Christian word, we're all familiar with it. But in the ancient world, a gospel, or euangelion, was a a word of celebration. It was a political word. And so uh, when when a king was born, or when a battle was won, they would send out heralds all throughout the Roman world announcing, hey, here's the good news. You've got to hear this. It was an announcement about something amazing that, is, that had happened. In our day, it might be, you know, if, if you go to the doctor and you hear the amazing announcement, you're pregnant when you've been trying for a really long time. Or you've been really sick and you've had a, you know, a, a fear of cancer and the doctor comes out into the waiting room and says, good news, it's malignant, or it's, it's, not, it's not, not cancer. It's probably the wrong word. You don't have cancer. It's an announcement. I know. It's good news. You know, maybe you've been waiting for the the final episode of Mandalorian to come out. Hey, it's coming. Good news. It's a word of celebration. This is the word gospel. I want you to see it's an announcement. And it's different than almost every other religious message. Most religions say, here's what you need to do in order to reach God. Uh, there's the Eightfold Path, or there's a, a group of uh, laws that you need to follow, or there's an even longer list of things that you must not do. Here's what you must do to reach God. Try hard, and if you're lucky, you'll make it. The gospel is, something has been done. Here's what God has done to reach you. God has done something. He's, he's broken into the world. And he's come to be near you. Not something you need to do, but something God has done to reach you. And notice it's not only an announcement. The gospel is also an announcement of great joy. In Greek, it's the word mega joy. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's great news. It's the most amazing message that's ever been heard. It's not a message of doom and gloom. You know, a lot of us, we grew up in a church where the message of Christianity was bad news. It was doom and gloom. I was uh, driving down to Little Rock the other day, and there's a huge billboard. Uh, you know, somebody, some church probably paid a lot of money to put this big message on the side of the road uh, that they wanted everybody to see on the way to Little Rock, and it was a quote from Jesus, a half quote, actually. And the quote went like this, Jesus said, repent, or you will likewise perish. Now, Jesus did say that, but that's only part of the message. And it's leaving out the best part of the message. Because the message of the gospel is that you have a savior. It's not a message of doom and gloom. It's a message of celebration. It's good news. It's not like the message of of Christmas or of Santa Claus. You know the message of Santa Claus. You better watch out. 
You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? It's a message of manipulation and control, right? To put fear in the hearts of your kids. Do good or else. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not, if you don't shape up, God's going to smite you. Some of you grew up hearing that message. Like in Bruce Almighty, you remember Jim Carrey goes out on the shore and his life is going bad and so he shakes his fist at the sky and he says, smite me, almighty smiter. A lot of us view God that way. The almighty smiter, the one who wants to judge you and throw you into hell if you don't shape, shape up, ship up and shape up. Change your life, right? Turn or burn. The message of of Advent is good news. God has done something in human history, and what has he done? It says here that he sent a son who is going to be a savior. Now somebody says, well, what about sin? I mean, doesn't the gospel have something to say about judgment and sin? Well, yeah, it does. But it says that you are, yes, you are a sinner. But rejoice, you're worse than you think you are. It's not just good enough to clean up your life. You can't clean up your life. And in some ways, the message you can't do it can be really good news. If you look at somebody who's in chains and you say, get up and get out of here, get out of this prison, they can say, I I can't do this. I'm stuck. I'm in bondage. I can't do what you're asking me to do. But if you came to that person and said, you have a savior, you have a rescuer, well, that's good news. And that's the message that the angels give, is that you've got a savior. No, you can't clean up your life. You're, you're in a deeper mess than you ever could even realize. But you've got a savior. You have a healer. Your marriage is broken beyond repair, but there's a, there's a savior who can heal your marriage. You are addicted and you've been stuck in this pattern that you can't seem to get out of. And yes, it's bigger than you, but you've got a savior who can rescue you out of that. Yes, you're broken and you can't seem to forgive and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, but there's a healer who can melt your heart. The message of Advent is that you, yes, you're a sinner, but you've got a savior. You've got a rescuer. You have somebody who can set you free from your brokenness. Not just you, but the whole world. It's a message that uh, not only that all of us are broken, but the whole world is broken. 2020 has shown us that pretty clearly, hasn't hasn't it? The world we live in is, is cracked. But there's a God who created this world, and one day he is gonna heal the world that he made. And there's glimmers of hope here and there But no politician and no movement and no, you know, medicine can heal the brokenness. But there's a Savior who will heal this world and who can heal your hearts. And not only is it a message about a joyful Savior, but also he goes on and talks about a wonderful grace. And so uh, the story moves on here and it says, In verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is well pleased. So it's a message about God's favor or pleasure on those who are ill-deserving. It's a message of grace. And I love this scene here because it's it's a choir of angels. 
get it in your mind. At first, it's just one, but then a whole host of them show up. And it's, they're, they're singing in a choir, and they're, they're singing about the most sublime message that the world has ever known. And you think about this, if you've ever uh, sang in a choir, you know it takes practice, right? Sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years of practice before you perform. And think about the angels. Maybe they had been practicing for months. Maybe they'd been practicing for years. Maybe they'd been practicing for millennia. And they've been getting ready for this day, and the day has finally arrived. And so God sends them, I want you to go perform this concert. And so they come down to earth, and they pass Caesar's palace. And they think, well, I guess that's not the place where we're supposed to go. And then they pass the Colosseum in Rome. And then they pass Herod's temple. And then they pass all the, the nice houses and the gated communities. And they go out into the plains of Judea, in the middle of nowhere. And they finally look down to see who they're performing for, and it's a bunch of dirty shepherds. We're going to blow this concert on a group of nobodies. What is God doing? Why did he send us here? And the shepherds are probably thinking, yeah, what is God doing? Why this? Why now? Why to us? And what God is doing is what God has always been doing. He's giving his best to the least. In Mary's song, she says that God has exalted those of humble estates. And this is the essence of the gospel, that to all of us nobodies, to all of us who are poor in spirit and broken by sin, God has given his best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life. And this is the good news. And notice who it's for. The angels say, here's the good news, here is the announcement, here is the grace, and who is it for? It is for all people. So this is a message of grace in God's favor, not to a certain group of people, not to just the good people, not just to Jewish people, but to shepherds, to anybody who will receive it. And as as I look in this room and I look out at all of you, all of us are so different. There are Republicans in this room and there are Democrats. I won't point at you. There are people that are dressed very casually and there are others that are dressed pretty formally. There are some of you who like country music and some of you who like good music. Sorry. And our stories are different. Some of us grew up in healthy families where we were doted upon. And some of us grew up in broken families where we were used and abused. But the good news of Christmas says that no matter how different we are, at the bottom we're all the same. We're all people, number one. At least last time I checked. But we're also all more sinful than we realize. We're all broken, we're all moral failures, we're all cracked, and yet in the gospel, we're all more loved and accepted and graced and favored than we ever dared to hope. This is the good news. So how did the shepherds respond? Well, it says in verse uh, 16, when the angels went away, 
uh, from them to the angels, that is, when the shepherds went away from the angels into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds at what the shepherds had told them. So the shepherds responded in three ways. And uh, here, I want to give you just three ways that you could respond to this good news. This is good news. In a dark year, it's the heart of Christianity. How should we respond? Three things. First, uh, I want to encourage you to hear the good news. Some of you have been going to church all your life. Some of you know your Bibles and yet you still view God as the almighty smiter. You still walk around thinking that God wants to slap you around a little bit because of what you did. I want you to hear the good news this morning. God loves you. And you all, yes, you are more sinful than you realize, but in the gospel, you have a name. You are favored by God God has given you his best. Can you hear that message? Uh, All of you in this room and and online, you're doing the right thing because it's good to go to church and to just hear the message of the gospel. One of the things I try to do as a pastor is try to preach the gospel to you again and again and again because I'm, I'm under the working assumption that although we know it, we don't know it. Although we hear it, we we just don't hear it sometimes. And sometimes you need to hear this word of grace just kind of pounded into you over and over again. So hear the gospel. Go to church. Listen to Christmas carols. You know, the Christmas carols are wonderful because there's such good theology in there and there's just good gospel truth. Put it on, let it go in and hear the message. If you're somebody here and maybe you've left Christianity, maybe you're struggling to believe it. Maybe you've always thought, this is trite, I just don't, you know, it's too good to be true. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to investigate the good news. It's too good not to investigate it. Uh, You know, I love this illustration, I've told it before, but it's like you get a, let's say you get a letter in the mail and it's got official lawyer letterhead on it, and in the letter it says, uh, you know, you've got a relative, it's this distant relative who's died, and this relative has left you two million dollars. You would be skeptical, wouldn't you? But you wouldn't throw it away. You'd at least check it out. You'd at least make a phone call. And this message is too good not to at least investigate it. If it's true, it changes everything. So hear the good news. Second of all, I want to encourage you to allow the good news to, to pierce into your life. Experience the good news for yourself. And that's what the, the shepherds did. They heard it, and then they said, let's go check it out. Let's go see the baby for ourselves. Let's go see if it's true. Let's go experience it for ourselves. That's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. Uh, earlier in the, in the passage, when the angel says, fear not, he says, fear not, but behold. And the word behold means to be captured by. It means to meditate on. It means to gaze at for a long time. I want to encourage you to behold the good news. 
gaze at it, grasp it, relish in it, internalize it. Because sometimes it just kind of bounces off. Let that penny drop in your life. To the degree that the penny drops and the gospel goes in, to that same degree you will experience deep joy. Even when things are hard. Finally, I want to encourage you to share the message. So notice the, uh, the shepherds, after they heard the message, they saw the baby. They experienced this joyful news for themselves. And then they went out and they told anybody, anybody and everybody who would listen, are you sharing the good news? Uh, Leslie Newbingham, I love what he said. Uh, quote's going to come up on the screen. He said that mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. The news that the rejected and crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It must be told. Who could be silent about such a fact? The mission of the church in the pages of the New Testament is like the fallout from a vast explosion, a radioactive fallout which is not lethal but life-giving. So in a world like 2020, when we're hearing bad news all the time, Christians have the best news that the world has ever known. Share it. Share it with somebody close to you. The angels went on, or the shepherds went on, and they, they praised God, and they sang the good news. Speak the good, the good news out of your mouth. Because as Newbingham says, it's a message which is life-giving. It's a radioactive fallout which just spreads and changes anybody who will hear it and internalize it and bring it in. So this morning, we're going to take uh, communion, which is a celebration of the good news that we're given at Christmas time. And so let's take it together. Before I'm going to pray, I'm going to, I'm going to ask God to just impress upon our minds, to kind of turn our, our gaze again towards the gospel and what God has done for us in history. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of good news. We thank you that 2,000 years ago you broke into human history and you did something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And God, we thank you that, that, in, that in our Messiah we have healing from broken lives. Uh, we have a new name, we have favor, and, and we have grace. We have a new identity. And we thank you that it's offered to all of us, no matter who we are or what our background is. We thank you, God, that, that you have given something to us that, that turns insignificant and broken people into your special beloved ones. God, help us to realize that again as we take communion this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.